changing up the intro music on you because the boy is back in town. Yes, I know, I missed Friday's episode, but that is because I'm making a scheduling change for when I'm going to be releasing these podcasts. So, welcome to the fifth installment of Carson's Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And like I said, I'm going to be making a change to when I'm going to be releasing these podcasts. Was Tuesday and Friday, but now it's just going to be Wednesdays. I felt Tuesday and Friday was a bit of a saturation. It was getting kind of stale. wasn't too much to talk about. Episodes were a little inconsistent with their lengths, but I think once a week is the way to go. I understand. I changed it. People might be looking for podcasts on Tuesdays and Fridays, but now it's just Wednesdays, and I'm telling you, these podcasts, they might be a little long, but they're going to be really, really good. So, Glad you tuned in. Today we're going to be talking about NFL, recapping last week, talking some injuries that happened, talking about who impressed, teams that are on the come up. Then we're going to look ahead to week three in the NFL. Also going to recap the week in college football, what teams really impressed, i.e. Louisville, i.e. Ohio State. Going to talk about an upset that happened and then look to week four of the college football season. It's going to be a loaded show. Glad you're listening. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. So as I said, kicking it off, we're going to talk a little NFL. And my team of the week has to be the Minnesota Vikings. That a Sunday night game against the Packers, making the switch from Sean Hill to Sam Bradford at starting quarterback. They traded a first-round pick and I think a fourth-round pick to bring in Bradford right after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And it was a little questionable because the first week they did start Sean Hill, but not really sure why they did that. But I think it was just to get Bradford more um, experience in the offense and whatnot. And it showed because he threw two touchdown passes, which was really good. Um, Adrian Peterson went down in that game, so they were expecting Bradford to throw because once AP's gone, that run game is gone. And he was still able to put up 286 yards and two touchdowns. Some people are even saying he outplayed Aaron Rodgers, which is pretty tough to do. But what the big story is, is Minnesota's defense is probably the best in the league right now. They just beat the Packers, who have probably one of the best offenses in the NFL. So for them to limit them to only 14 points, it speaks a lot to how well this defense is and how well they can respond in the face of adversity when they need to play well. It's a division game in the NFC North. Vikings were looking probably a wild card, maybe able to steal the division from the Packers this year with Bridgewater at the start, but now they might just actually win it outright. And I can't believe I'm saying that with Bradford under the quarterback and everything like that, but the defense of the Vikings is something to be really really impressed with and AP apparently his injury isn't as serious as they thought so they could be getting him back either this week they might hold him out this week and get him back in week four which is what I would do make sure your franchise player is okay but again my team of the week Minnesota Vikings really impressive victory over the Packers on Sunday night football another team that deserves a lot of praise this weekend is the Denver Broncos they played the Colts this week won 34-20 Trevor Simeon didn't really put up big numbers, 266 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. C.J. Anderson had a touchdown. Demarius Thomas had 90 yards. But the Broncos' defense, as I said, the Vikings could be the best, if not the best, but the Broncos are right there as well. Two defensive touchdowns, Aqib Tlaib, a pick six, and then Shane Ray, 15-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Broncos' defense is so good. And if Simeon is not turning the ball over and the run game is working – 
Broncos are going to be a real tough team to beat because of that defense. Uh, beat Andrew Luck. They held Andrew Luck, probably one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, to 197 yards and only a touchdown. That speaks a lot to what and how good the Broncos' defense is. So if they can just keep it up, probably 28, 30 points a game, their defense is going to keep teams under that for sure, and the Broncos are going to be a real tough team to beat this year. With all that being said, we look at another powerhouse in the AFC, and another team that really impressed me this week, honestly, the New England Patriots. Hard-fought game, 31-24. Wasn't as close as the score indicates, but the big news, Jimmy Garoppolo throws three touchdown passes, is lighting up the Dolphins' defense, and then gets hurt. And then they have to bring in Jacoby Brissett. Um, I don't know if I said his first name right. I apologize if you're listening, Mr. Brissett. Um, but he goes has to come in because Garoppolo goes out. And now they're on their third-string quarterback, and I don't think they thought that was even going to happen. They were just trying to get through these first four games, maybe be 2-2, two and 3-1 two, and one if they're lucky. And Garoppolo was playing well enough. I think they could have went... 3-1, and 4-0, but now it's looking, they got a Thursday night game, doesn't look like he's going to be able to play that, Brissett hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL, and I saw a stat somewhere, if they don't bring in another guy, um, the only players that have thrown a pass or attempted a pass on the Patriots roster are going to be like Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan and Danny Amendola, all receivers, it's ridiculous. Um, they're probably going to lean a lot on LeGarrette Blunt, who had a strong game, 29 carries, 123 yards, and a touchdown. And Martellus Bennett, leading receiver for the Patriots, they're looking like geniuses for bringing him in. When they get Gronk back, that is going to be deadly because guarding one of them is difficult enough. Having to guard two big, athletic, fast tight ends is going to be so difficult. I really like that they did that. Um, as I said... The Patriots really impressed me. Their defense is kind of a bend-don't-break sort of thing, but their offense, when it's rolling, is really good. They're going to get Brady back in Week 5. They just got to hold on these next two games. I foresee them dropping one of them and then probably getting Garoppolo back Week 4 and being 3-1, and one, and then here comes Brady back in Week 5, and they're just going to start wrecking shit. But... This week, I could foresee them taking a loss just because the quarterback situation is a little hazy. But, as I said, we're talking week two. And week two, they really impressed me. Unfortunately now, we got to get a little negative. I hate to do this to you, but the team that disappointed me most this week was the Oakland Raiders. The Falcons played at Oakland, and the Falcons somehow came away with a 35-28 win. And if Oakland's going to be a contender this year in the AFC West and maybe get a wild card, maybe somehow win the division... These are games they're going to need to win. I understand it's an interdivisional um, matchup, NFC versus AFC, but still. It was a tough game against a team that you're level with, or the Oakland Raiders might be a little bit better than the Atlanta Falcons, in my opinion. So these are the type of games, if you're an Oakland Raiders fan, that you expect to win. And these are the type of games, if you're an Oakland Raider, you have to win. Derek Carr played well enough to win. Not going to fault him at all. 299 yards, three touchdowns. Latavius Murray, the running back for Oakland, had a solid day. But Matt Ryan, big story, 396 yards, three touchdowns. Devontae Freeman had 93 yards. Tevin Coleman, coming back from injury from last year, is a really nice complimentary back to Freeman. You got a little boom and zoom action there. I really like that. Um, But like I said, 
If you're Oakland, these are the type of games you need to win. So that's why they're my disappointment of the week. Now that we got the negativity out of the way, just some more scores from around the league. Jets beat the Bills 37-31 on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Rex Ryan and the Bills 0-2. A little bit of a hot uh, hot seat year for Rex Ryan. Not starting off real well. If he doesn't pick up the pace, start getting some more wins, he's going to be out as the Bills head coach. Then the Steelers beat the Bengals 24-16 on Sunday. Really sloppy game. It was raining all day. Hard for the quarterbacks to get in a rhythm, throw the ball at all. D'Angelo Williams filling in for Le'Veon Bell. Another big game. He's he's found the fountain of youth, it seems like. And every game, come the fourth quarter, he just pounds, pounds, and pounds the ball in there and just gets better as the game goes on. Steelers are 2-0. Bengals 0-2. Marvin Lewis is allegedly going to step down after this year. And if this is the performance that he's going to keep putting up, it's going to be a rough last year for him. Bengals, I think, have enough talent where they can be dangerous and probably get a wild card. But they're not showing it right now. Steelers are 2-0. Sammy Coates was the deep ball receiver for this game. And Ben was really trying to find it, and I liked the aggressiveness. Um, the week one surprise, Eli Rodgers wasn't really a factor in this game. And Antonio Brown didn't really get it going either, but the Steelers were able to win by the run game and their defense. So old-fashioned Steelers football showed up this weekend, and it's good to see. The Titans beat the Lions 16-15. What I thought was going to happen, the Lions were going to come out, build on their week one success, and just light up the Titans, but that wasn't the case. Titans defense came and answered the call, and Andre Johnson scoring the game-winning touchdown. Only His only reception in the game, but still impressive to say the least. When he's that old and still able to come in and produce like that, real impressive. Mariota was finding his stride a little bit. It's going to be difficult because they under defenses are going to understand the Titans don't really have that good of receivers and they're going to need to run the ball. But Mariota made some big plays with his arm this weekend. The Lions look to regroup. They're one and one. Titans are one and one as well. Uh, I think this loss speaks more to the Lions' inability to finish the game than the Titans' ability to win the game. The Ravens beat the Browns 25-20. The Browns were up big early, but in real Browns fashion, let the Ravens come back and lose the game. Um, the Browns lose Josh McCowan, who was filling in for RG3, who was the Week 1 starter. Now they're going to have to start in Week 3, Cody Kessler. That's five starting quarterbacks in five games, going back to the first, the last two of last season. Really hard for the Browns to get any consistency with that, but I think they're looking to Week 5 when they get Josh Gordon back, and if McGowan can be healthy, then I don't foresee this team being real dangerous, but they'll be a fun team to watch on offense because they got a lot of playmakers. Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, Crowell, Duke Johnson, and McCowan, who can really sling the ball. Um, <clears throat> moving on, the Cowboys go into Washington and beat the Redskins 27-23. Dak Prescott played a real man's game, made some big throws, made some smart decisions, didn't really look like a rookie. Um, you got to be really encouraged by that in this game if you're a Cowboys fan. But what you do need to be a little concerned about is Ezekiel Elliott. He did score, did have a better game than he did the first week, but he fumbled the ball twice in the fourth quarter. A little scary. Alfred Morris is behind him. He played real well, had the game-winning touchdown against his old team. So a little bit of revenge there. I don't foresee the Cowboys benching uh, Ezekiel Elliott anytime soon, but I could see his carries getting diminished if he does keep fumbling and when they do have such a good back like Alfred Morris behind him. And then moving on in what was a, a shootout last year, 
the teams this year, the Giants and the Saints, only combined for 29 points this year in a uh, 16-13 Giants win. Giants are 2-0, and and something really happy that you got to see in back-to-back weeks was Victor Cruz making big catches in the fourth quarter. Missed all of last year with an injury, and then this year, like I said, making a big catch in the fourth quarter week one, and then making a big catch in the fourth quarter this week too. Uh, the Giants are sneaky on offense because they have so many um, talented weapons that Eli can pick from. The run game is lacking sometimes, but Rashad Jennings is really, I think, starting to understand and turn it on this year. The defense, they're back. The uh, secondary is a little questionable. The front seven questionable, but they're finding ways to do it to get to 2-0, which is pretty impressive. And then the Saints, they're 0-2. I thought they could win this game just because, as I said, the Giants' defense is a little questionable, but the Saints aren't getting it done. They have enough talent to do it. A real surprise this year so far is Willie Sneed. He's putting up some great numbers. But then moving on to the next game, it was a little bit closer than what people expected, and it was closer than what the score indicates. But the Panthers won 46-27 over the 49ers. This game was close going into the fourth quarter, but then the Panthers started playing like they should the whole game and blew it out of the water. Um, You can really tell that Cam Newton to Calvin Benjamin is one of the best quarterback-wide receiver combos, and you can really tell how comfortable Cam is with just throwing the ball up in Calvin's in uh, Benjamin's area and just saying, hey, go get this. We really need this. So, like I said, Panthers beat the 49ers 46-27, and two guys to keep your eye on, Cam Newton, Calvin Benjamin, one of, if not the best, young quarterback-wide receiver combos in the league. Moving on, Texans beat the Chiefs in a really tough game, 19-12. I like what the Texans did the off, this offseason, bringing in the players they did. DeAndre Hopkins is balling out. He had a touchdown. Brock Osweiler is being a little bit better than a game manager, but not being what I think his contracts were, so he needs to pick it up a little bit. The Chiefs get Jamal Charles back hopefully next week. They're 1-1. One one. I think he's going to spark that offense, and the defense is going to just keep playing real well, and I think the Chiefs are probably going to be a threat in the AFC West, if not the wild card. Moving on to the next game, the Rams beat the Seahawks 9-3. Russell Wilson had a high ankle sprain uh, coming into the game, so he wasn't really Russell Wilson. In the game, though, Doug Baldwin got hurt, Thomas Rawls got hurt, so there wasn't really much firepower on the Seahawks' offense, and it showed, only putting up three points. The Rams, though, failed to have put up a touchdown in the first two games. That's a little concerning. Jared Goff was in, he was dressed in uh, pads this week, but didn't play. Case Keenum didn't really impress either. The big story, the Rams' defense keeping the Seahawks to only three points. The Rams' defense is real good. First game in L.A., they win that. Real big for the Rams. Um, More concerning, though, is how badly the Seahawks are playing and how badly they've played the first week and two weeks as well because they barely beat the Dolphins in week one, 12-9 in Seattle, which you would think they would have dominated. And then to come out and lose this game, understand the Rams always play the Seahawks close, but to not even score a touchdown, it's a little concerning. Speaking of concerning, the Cardinals beat the Buccaneers 40-7 to this week. And what was probably the bigger news in the game was Jameis Winston was in the game in the fourth quarter when it was well out of reach. And people were arguing, should he be in there, should he not? 
my opinion, Jameis Winston's only started 18 games in the NFL, and he's shown he can be a good quarterback. He doesn't need to be in there late in the game like that when it's out of reach, especially when good quarterbacks are hard to come by in the NFL, and you got to keep yours healthy if you got them. So I think it was a little bit of a bonehead decision by the Buccaneers coach. Shouldn't be doing that in the future. you got to keep your franchise player healthy. But on the other side of the ball, the Cardinals, this is what you got to expect from them on a week-to-week basis. Bouncing back from a week one loss to the Patriots, but offense full of firepower, able to put up big numbers, 40 points, and then their defense holding teams to real low-scoring games like they did the Buccaneers, only seven points this week. Really showing a certain their dominance that the Cardinals are a team to be reckoned with in the NFC. Moving back to the AFC, though, the Chargers beat the Jaguars 38-14. In the victory, though, the Chargers lose Danny Woodhead. Back-to-back weeks, they lost playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. More concerning, though, to me, is how poorly the Jaguars played the entire game. Um, After week one, I don't know if they had a bit of a hangover. They didn't win, but they played the Packers really close. And then they come out and they play like crap in week two. It's a little concerning. I think this is just an indication of what the year is going to be like for the Jaguars. Real up and down. um, Losing games they should win and probably winning games they should lose. Just real inconsistent. Um, Blake Bortles played pretty bad in the first half, throwing two interceptions, but he's going to need to start picking it up because there's no more excuses for him. He's had his rookie learning period. He has the weapons around him. It's time they start winning some games. I already talked about the rest of the games that happened on Sunday, but the game that happened Monday night, the Eagles beat the Bears 29-14. Carson Wentz, again, real game manager, 190 yards, one touchdown. Eagles coach is really putting in a system that he can succeed in. Um, Short underneath throws that are about five yards in the air, but the player's running for about five to ten extra yards. Um, Another storyline in this game, Cutler injured, really concerning for the Bears. Um... Cutler's kind of give-a-shitter was broken early on in the game, it looked like, and then when he got injured, it was just, it was broken completely. Um, Big story, again though, Eagles under Carson Wentz, number two overall pick, 2-0. It's pretty big for him to get his confidence like that underneath him and be 2-0. So the Eagles are playing really well, they got a system for their quarterback that shows it can work, and their defense is playing really well also. Now that we got week three taken care of in the NFL, we can look to week four, and it starts off on Thursday night. Texans going to the Patriots. As I said, the Patriots don't really have a starting quarterback that has thrown a pass in the NFL, so I'm going to take the Texans in this one. I think their defense is going to really come to play, and I think uh, Bill O'Brien's going to know that this is a big game. They're going to need to play well. It's a real early season test for them. I think they're going to answer the test and win this game. Next game to look at, you got the Cardinals at the Bills. Like I said, the Bills are 0-2. Rex Ryan in a hot seat year isn't really performing yet. I think it's just going to get worse for him this weekend. I think the Cardinals are going to come into Buffalo and really wreck shit. Uh, Cardinals, really high-power offense. Defense is probably going to hold Tyrod to an abysmal game. So look for the Cardinals to win this one. Next game to look at in Week 4, big NFC North showdown. Lions go to the Packers. Expect the Packers to win this game, but I think... Lions are going to keep it real close. I think Matthew Stafford and Golden Tate are going to have a real big game. I don't foresee the Packers defense being able to stop that connection. But like I said, Packers are going to come out, probably run the ball a lot with Eddie Lacy, uh, keep time for possession, keep the Lions' high-powered offense off the field, and come out with a victory in this one. 
The next game, we shift back to the AFC. We've got the 2-0 Broncos going to the 1-1 Bengals games in Cincinnati. I like the Bengals in this one. They're a three-point favorite right now, but I think the Bengals' defense is going to stifle Trevor Simeon, and I think the Bengals' offense is going to be able to make enough plays against the tough Broncos' defense to come out on top. I expect a big game if the Bengals are going to win from Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. I think Jeremy Hill needs to start getting it together. I think he probably has one of, if not his best game of the year, this week. Things are about to get a little bigger on the podcast, because we're talking about the Giants. And they got the Redskins coming to the Meadowlands this week. I think the Giants are going to really dominate this game. They're going to go 3-0. The Redskins are going to go to 0-3. Kirk Cousins coming off of his franchise tag, about $14 million this year. Really thought that he could be the guy for the Redskins, but it doesn't look like that right now, especially after the 0-3 start. I expect uh, Odell Beckham Jr. have a big game. You get to see the rematch of the matchup last year between Josh Norman and Odell. That is if Josh Norman... Uh, he's going to stick to Odell, which he kind of did against Dez, against the Cowboys. But really looking forward to that matchup in this game. But in the end, I think the Giants are going to come out with that victory. Things just got big on the podcast, but now things are going to get a little high. Because we're talking about the Eagles, and they fly, fly, fly. Um, they got to play the Steelers this weekend. Matchup of two 2-0 teams. I like the Steelers in this one. They're three-and-a-half point favorite. I think Steelers defense... Really rattles Carson Wentz. Um, they had a whole week to prepare for him, a whole full week to prepare for him, and I think they're going to rattle him, and I think um, D'Angelo Williams is going to have another big game. Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown probably going to connect for at least a touchdown. I'm really intrigued to see who the number two option for Ben at receiver is this week. In week one, it was kind of Eli Rogers. Week two, it was Sammy Coates. I'm really interested to see how they're going to be able to work those guys together because in the second week, Eli Rogers kind of disappeared after a big first week, and Sammy Coates stepped up. So I want to see them be able to balance that relationship a little bit better because they're going to need both those guys to have a high-power offense and succeed this year. But like I said, I like Carson Wentz, how he's doing, but I think it's a real reality check this week for him to realize he's still a rookie. I think he's going to make a few rookie mistakes, and Pittsburgh's going to walk out with, with, with a victory that day. So last big game to look forward to in Week 4 is an NFC South matchup on Monday Night Football. Falcons are going to the Saints. Saints 0-2 really need a win. A divisional win would really help them out. I like the Saints in this game. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be a shootout. Both defensive defenses have a hard time stopping the pass, and both teams have great quarterbacks and good receivers. Uh, like I said, though, I think the home field advantage for the Saints is going to help. I think they come out with a much-needed divisional win. Now that we took care of the pros, let's move on to the boys that aren't getting paid, to our knowledge, where we talk about college football, and this was a big week three, a lot of big games, and those big games delivered. We'll start with the obvious big game. Uh, it was here in Louisville, Kentucky. Game day was here for the first time ever, and the Louisville Cardinals opened up a can of whoop-ass on Florida State. Louisville ranked 10th in the nation at the time of the game. Florida State, 2nd in the nation. Louisville comes out, puts up 63 on the Seminoles. It's the worst loss in the Seminoles have had in the ACC since 2009, I think. Florida State was only able to put up 20 points. Uh, Francois, the quarterback for Florida State, looked rattled all day. As I've been saying the first two weeks, UofL's defense is really good, really underrated in my opinion. I think they showed that this week. Lamar Jackson's legit. Um, uh, they got a lot of playmakers 
around Lamar Jackson that don't get enough attention, but they did this week because they're on the national stage, and they just, like I said, opened up a can of whoop-ass. Everybody was getting involved on the offense and in the scoring, and it was just good for the city of Louisville and the team uh, like the Cardinals to be seen on a national stage and be able to show the talents and show that they might not be talked about as like pure uh, blue bloods in college football, but they're getting there. They're playing real well the last couple years, and like I said, they're getting to be on the level where they should be considered dangerous every year. The next big game we're going to look at, we're going to go down to the SEC, and we're going to look at Alabama going to Ole Miss, beating them 48-43, and Alabama ending the two-year losing streak to the Rebels. Um, Chad Kelly had 420 yards, three touchdowns, played real well, but in the end, Ole Miss fell apart just like they did in week one against Florida State, and Alabama as a team was able to just capitalize on that, on the mistakes that they were making, and able to pull out the victory. Chad Kelly, at the end, got it close. There was an onside kick, and Ole Miss recovered it, capitalized on that, put up a touchdown, I think, in two plays, but in the end, just wasn't meant to be. Alabama comes out, the evil empire, and wins this game, and they looked kind of impressive doing it. They showed that if they're given the opportunity and the team is able to make mistakes, they're going to be able to capitalize on those mistakes, and that's what good uh, championship teams do. Next game we look at, we look at a Big Ten team in uh, Michigan State beating Notre Dame 36-28. Michigan State 12th in the country, Notre Dame 18th, so real good matchup here. Notre Dame fell behind early, rallied, made it a game, but just couldn't get it done. Uh, Kaiser for Notre Dame, the quarterback, played real well in the second half. I like what he does as a ball player, but Michigan State, well, it was pretty much an all-around team effort. Their quarterback, O'Connor, had 241 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the running back, Holmes, had 100 yards and two touchdowns. And just like I said, all-around good effort from the team, real team effort, good team win, and a nice win against a top-25 team right before Big Ten play is about to start and when the real season is going to start for Michigan State. The last big matchup we're going to look at from week three in college football um, was the most important to me, just on a personal note. Saw the Ohio State Buckeyes, third in the country, going down to Norman to face the Oklahoma Sooners, 14th in the country after that week one loss to Houston. In the game, Ohio State won 45-24, really dominated both sides of the ball. Noah Brown tied the Ohio State record uh, with four touchdown receptions. He had... 72 yards to go along with those four touchdowns. JT Baird had a surgical 152 yards and four touchdowns. The redshirt freshman Mike Weber had 18 carries for 123 yards. And Curtis Samuel is really excelling in that Percy Harvin uh, hybrid role as a receiver running back in Urban Meyer's system. He had a rushing touchdown on a big uh, fourth down in the first quarter that got the Buckeyes on the board. Baker Mayfield had 226 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions as well, and that kind of shows the backup quarterback for Oklahoma. I don't know his name right off, but he was saying Ohio State's defense was too basic and Baker was going to light them up, but he threw two interceptions. And talking a little bit more about Ohio State's defense, the front seven really came to play this game. I thought they might struggle a little bit because the Sooners do have two really good running backs, but they kept them in check. And then, as always, Ohio State's secondary this year came ready to play their they're full, the back, like, mm, I can't really, I'm having a hard time. I don't have words to describe how good they are is what I'm trying to get across. 
Their secondary is just full of a bunch of savages on and off the field. Check out the Twitters um, if you can. But Ohio State's secondary is something that it's fun to see, it's fun to watch, and they haven't had a real dominant secondary like this in a couple of years, and it's nice to see because normally it's the other way around. The front seven or Ohio State is normally dominant, and the secondary is what is up in question. But this year, I think all around, is just full of a bunch of good football players, and it's nice to see. Now that we've talked about the big games, just going to look at some other scores from around the country in the college football world. Tennessee beat Ohio 28-19. Again, another close game for Tennessee. Um, it seems like it's the story every week. They need to start playing better come SEC play or they're going to end up losing more games than they should. Clemson finally looks like Clemson and what we thought they would at the beginning of the year. Beating South Carolina State 59-0. Iowa falls to North Dakota State 23-21. Game at Iowa. North Dakota State now 5-0 against FBS schools. Um, Iowa probably didn't think they were going to lose this one, but I don't think it's really detrimental to their season. But to lose to an FCS school, if you're an FBS school, it's a little embarrassing. So Iowa's going to need to rebound quickly if they're going to make anything of this season. Wisconsin, a close game against Georgia State, 23-17. Badgers might have been overlooking them a little bit, so... So a bit of a wake-up call for the Badgers that can't take anybody lightly, can't be looking ahead to Big Ten play at all. Miami, the first team of FBS standing to go down to Appalachia State, who's an FSC school, and the 25th-ranked Hurricanes handed Appalachia State their asses 45-10. Michigan beat Colorado 45-28 in what was a bit of a close game for the first half, but then Michigan really came out in the second half, dominated, showed they were a better team, and like I said, pulled out a 45-28 win. The next two teams I'm going to talk about, little sleepers, people not really talking about them enough. I'm pretty high on both of them now, but Nebraska beat Oregon 35-32. Nebraska's quarterback, uh, Armstrong, had 200 yards, three touchdowns. I really like him. I like what they can do with him in the offense. He's a big, strong, mobile quarterback with a big arm. And then Texas A&M beating Auburn 29-16. Um, Texas A&M beating UCLA week one. I like that. And then Trevor Knight, he had 247 yards and a touchdown for the Aggies. Really solid game. Their defense is improving week to week. Texas A&M, a team to look out for in the SEC. And Nebraska, a quiet team to look out for in the Big Ten. So we just recap, so now we can look ahead. We put some stuff behind us. Let's move on to week four of the college football season. Starting Thursday, September 22nd, Clemson goes to Georgia Tech. Battle of ACC 3-0 teams. Clemson's going to need to play better than they have in the first three games this year to have a chance against Georgia Tech with that read option, the triple option. It's always hard to defend. I like Clemson in this one, but I think Georgia Tech's going to keep it pretty close. The next game we're going to look at, we're going to go down south. We got Georgia going to Ole Miss. Uh, Georgia 12th in the country, Ole Miss 23rd in the country. Uh, Georgia 3-0, Ole Miss 1-2. Games on ESPN, 
I like Ole Miss. I really think the band is really going to wish they could play Dixie because I see Ole Miss blowing out Georgia. Georgia had a real tough time against Missouri this past weekend. Ole Miss put up big numbers against Alabama's defense. I think Ole Miss saw they can hang with good teams. I think they knew that after the first week when they barely lost to Florida State and blew it, and then they blew this past week. I don't foresee them losing two games in a row, especially the way they did lose the last game. I think Hugh Freeze is going to be up their asses all week at practice, and they're going to come out and they're going to be firing all cylinders. And I think Chad Kelly thinks going to have a real big game, probably over 400 yards and at least two touchdowns, and the band is going to want to play Dixie all night long because the Rebels are going to win this game. The next game to look at, we go out west to the Pac-12. We got Stanford going to UCLA. Stanford 7th in the country at 2-0. UCLA 2-1. UCLA is going to have a tough time stopping Christian McCaffrey, just like everybody does. But I think Stanford's going to have a tough time stopping Josh Rosen. I don't think UCLA to come up with the upset here and really surprise Stanford. I think McCaffrey is going to get his, but I think Rosen and UCLA is going to make more plays and put up more points and win this game. We went out west, now we're going to head on back to Rocky Top, where Florida takes on Tennessee this week. A top 20 matchup, Florida 19th in the country, Tennessee 14th. Both SEC schools, 3-0. But what this game more is, is two teams that are playing below what they should be playing. They're not playing up to the caliber of what people thought they would, hence the rankings. They haven't really blown out anybody except Florida. They've beat UK, but that's like beating school of the blind. So it's a little concerning, but I think Tennessee's going to win this game just because it's at Tennessee, and I think Josh Jobs is going to make more plays, and Florida just lost Del Rio at quarterback, who was filling in anyway. But, again, I think... It being that Tennessee helps, and I think Josh Dobbs finally starts to play. Not only him, but I think Tennessee finally starts to play like everybody thought they would now that SEC play has gotten to him. Following that game, we go all the way up to East Lansing, where Wisconsin, 11th in the country, is going to take on Michigan State, 8th in the country. Wisconsin 3-0, Michigan State 2-0. Michigan State coming off that big win against Notre Dame. Wisconsin for surviving the Georgia State game. I think Michigan State wins this game. I think, again, it's all team effort. Defense is going to play well. And the run game is going to need to be there for Michigan State to have a chance. But in the end, two Big Ten teams. It's going to be a real ground-and-pound game. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's cold up there so it's just a real Big Ten atmosphere-esque game, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be a smash-mouth, run-right-down-your-throat game. But in the end, I like Michigan State coming out with the victory. Now that we look ahead to Week 4, I kind of need to touch on a personal note. I would, I could not call myself a Cats fan if I didn't at least talk about their Week 3 performance against New Mexico State. The Cats finally got a win, 62-42. to So, yeah, they put up some big numbers, but also gave up some big numbers. Um, Steven Johnson, at quarterback, came in for Barker, who left in the first quarter uh, with an injury. He put up some good numbers and showed that he could run the offense if he was called upon. He was 17-22 for 22 for 310 yards and three touchdowns. Boom Williams had 18 carries, 181 yards and a touchdown. He was really making use of his carries. He got a little bit more touches this game, which I think they need to do on a more consistent basis because he's a good, big playmaker for them. And he was finally able to take 
advantage of the touches he got. The tight end, though, C.J. Conrad, finally. We've been hearing about this how ever since Stoops got here, how he kind of wanted to incorporate the tight ends a little bit more. That was four years ago. And finally, C.J. Conrad, the tight end, five receptions, 133 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't know if that was just the quarterback change and Steven Johnson feeling more comfortable with him or if it was just the matchup or what, or if it was just a good week for C.J. Conrad. But finally, he was able to get in the end zone and really look like an integral part of the defense. Going forward, um, Barker is listed still as the starting quarterback, but if he struggles coming into the future, um, Steven Johnson showed he can run the offense and put up points. So that's the last thing this team needs right now is a quarterback controversy, but I think that's where we're headed. I think if Barker loses one or two more games, uh, Steven Johnson could be the guy from then on out. Another thing that could be a little concerning is, yeah, Kentucky put up 62 points, but they gave up 42 to a New Mexico State team that is not that good on offense. So it's a little concerning. New Mexico State was able to run all over us just like everybody else has. The secondary for UK played better but not as good as they can. So a little concerning. This coming week, the Cats got South Carolina coming to Kentucky. So that's going to be a real big game. It's a night game. Kentucky, 1-2, trying to get back to 500. South Carolina, 2-1 under uh, Muschamp coming in here. Kentucky has a two-year winning streak against the Gamecocks. It's going to be a real hard-fought game. I'm hoping it's going to be jam-packed in Commonwealth because it's going to be a big game, and it's a night game, and night games in Lexington at Commonwealth are something special and Kentucky really needs this victory to kind of keep momentum going and not save their season, but it's going to be real hard to be 1-3 and three and 2-2. Two and two, You just got to feel a lot better about it. I'm hoping Barker comes out. He saw what uh, Steven did and just says, hey, I need to play real well. I need to show that I'm the quarterback of this team and just lights it up. I'm hoping Boom Williams has a big game as well. And I'd like to see more uh, of Kentucky's players on the uh, receiving end get involved, um, especially Bidette. He needs to get it going a little bit more. He only has one touchdown this year, and I was really hoping he'd have a bigger year. So I'm going to optimistically say in a really close game, maybe a field goal wins it, that the Cats are going to win this one. That's it, guys. We did it. We made it through the fifth podcast, the fifth Carson Sack podcast. We talked some balls. We had some laughs. Hope you had a good time. I had a good time recording it. Like I said, change uh, release dates now. It's no longer going to be Tuesday and Friday for podcasts. It's going to be Wednesday only. I'm going to try and keep doing this, keep the schedule um, steady and not change because if I'm releasing podcasts on random days, it's going to be hard for people to follow, hard for my listeners to uh, really get a schedule and a liking to when things are going to be out. So, again, changing it from Tuesday to Friday, I felt that was a little too much for everybody. I think I was annoying some people with my tweets and asking for retweets and whatnot. So now, Wednesdays only, and I hope the content level is going to help keep episodes at a nice, pretty consistent length. 
Um, like I said, they're going to be kind of long because I got to review, I got to recap so many things. And this is just football season. When basketball season starts, college and NBA, um, and the baseball playoffs are going on, and there's college football and NFL. These episodes are going to get kind of long, but I promise you I'm going to do my best to make these episodes good and enjoyable. So again, I appreciate you listening to Carson Sack Podcast, the fifth episode, whether it's the first episode, the fifth episode, or the thousandth episode. This is where we talk balls. I appreciate you listening, joining in. Have a good day. I'll be seeing you. Thank you.